to the Jukai Day, and tears come, because this may be the last one, though I just had a thought uh, coming in here that maybe, maybe Lisa can come up in December and have a sewing marathon <laughs> and finish her Roxu and we'll do an informal Jukai uh, right before the 16th. But, uh, so every just so often it, it strikes me, oh, this is the last one. Oh, I want to say, I didn't mean it. I didn't mean it. <laughs> <laughs> but I do mean it. Anyway, this isn't about me. And it's not about you. But I'm looking at our Jukai persist at uh, Zach when I said that, but it's because taking the precepts, jukai means giving and receiving the precepts. And I give them to Zach, but Zach gives them to me, and we give them to everybody, to each other. Being part of the ceremony, even simply witnessing it, you're part of it. And people who have already done this ceremony and um, have sown a rock suit, it means something that much more. So it's like a, a renewal of, of intention ceremony. It's not a, what's the word that they, a, a confirmation, is that, what, is that like a Christian word or something? Anyway, uh, or it's not a bar mitzvah or a bat mitzvah <laughs> or whatever else everybody does in the world. It doesn't make you a Buddhist. I'm not sure what a Buddhist is. It's more about deepening your commitment to practice. Um, maybe deepening your willingness, if that makes sense. It's, it's, it's not a home-leaving ceremony. But it is uh, saying, I mean to take this seriously ceremony. It is, uh, I, uh, I intend to be of use ceremony. And it's not a badge of status. Aroxu is not a badge of status. And I think it does happen in the world that um, people saw Aroxu and, and do Tukai and then disappear. <laughs> the first one that I did, that happened. You don't know if somebody Berkeley is under the US or not, but um, it, it happens in the world. Uh oh, there's a dog in the hallway. You could probably see her, you, you folks online. <laughs> but she, I think she, she realized that there are too many people here that she couldn't. She couldn't sneak into the central. <laughs> so, anyway, it's, it's, 
It is more about being of use. And it is about saying, I, I mean it. And what you mean is, is kind of up to you. you know, it, it, um, I guess I started to say it's not about joining a club. <laughs> and I thought, well, maybe it is a little bit of joining a club, except that this is not an exclusive club. This is a club that um, anybody who wants to can join. And it's not exclusive in, in, uh, in the sense of, again, being, you know, I think a, a club implies something about there's us and then there's those other people. And this club is, oh, I am other people. He is me. They are me. They are I, I suppose, but he is me sounds so much better than he is I. At any rate, I digress. When you hear me talk like that, I'm sorry about grammar, nitpicking about grammar, that's my mother speaking. <laughs> <laughs> if you said, uh, this is her, she'd say, what? And you'd say, this is her, and she'd say, what? And then you'd go, oh, this is she. Then my mother would respond. Anyway, so club is not a very good image, really, but but it, it is, I think it is joining something. Or maybe it's simply taking your place beside a bunch of other people. It's a better image. Those other people are moving forward or moving towards illumination moving towards cultivating. There's another title for a, a book about Hang Zhur that we've been talking about in class. And we've been talking about Hang Zhur and uh, his silent illumination. And there's another, there's another translation of his work and the title is Cultivating the Empty Field. So I think it's a great title. So maybe Dukai is cultivating the empty field. I started to say finding the root, I take it back. Manifesting the root of practice. And it's also, I said I think there's something about, you know, being of, being of service, being of, uh, being of use. And it's an opening of your heart to the Sangha, saying, not leaving home, which is a, one definition of pre-ordination, but committing to waking up as a householder, a person in the world. And who knows what it means? <laughs> and you have the rest of your life after you do this, you have the rest of your life to figure out what the hell you did. And it keeps changing. So it's partly, it's a commitment to intending. I started to say a commitment to keeping your heart open. And I thought, well, we just, okay, well, just like vowing to save all beings. I vow to keep my heart open. And I know that I don't always. And I won't always. I wish I would always, but I know that 
that's not the case. So it's a commitment to making that effort, I suppose, to keep my heart um, soft and open. And as I say, mostly it's a commitment to keep on exploring, keep on asking yourself, what is this? And people who have not sown a rock suit make the same commitment every time they sit sazak. The rock suit, you know, when you go through the process of sowing it, which may seem like it takes forever, and you take refuge in every stitch, or that's your intention, I bet nobody here took refuge in every single stitch of anybody who sewed, or those of you online. But there's something in that process that uh, deepens your commitment. That's why we uh, don't buy roxas. We sew them. There may be some of your blood in your roxas. I don't know. I wouldn't be surprised. I saw one once where there was some on the silicone. What you know? What are you going to do? It's way too late then. So today we will support Zach in taking the precepts, and we'll all take the precepts with him. And I'm wondering, I'm hoping that those of you who have sown a Roxy could share a few words about what the experience has been like for you. And you green people can talk about whatever kind of rocks you want. Would you start? I would. Oh, Daniel. Maybe I should say Daniel for, for whoever <laughs> might be listening to Well, as I sit here, I almost have no words for it. And maybe that's the right thing. For me, it was the most profound thing that I've probably ever done in my life, and I definitely did not take refuge in every stitch, probably not even half of my stitches. I may have cursed <laughs> three-fourths of my stitches. But, uh, you're, you're the only one that ever did that, actually. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, but um, it's something else. Every time I put my rakasu on, I am moved. Every time I put my rakasu on, I think, what is practice and what are characters? <laughs> and I still try to figure that out. Every time I put my rakasu on, I think of Barbara Bechet making a mistake somewhere that I can't even see anymore. <laughs> it's a tear. But it's in my rakasu and it's special to me. Yeah. It's very special to me. And I put my rakasu every time I take it off in a very special drawer, and I put a very special rock on it. And for the precepts, I don't know hardly ever get them right, but but it's like you said, it's awakening to an intention, mm -hmm. and it feels like. It's part of my DNA, and I engage in harsh speech occasionally, and I'm always reminded of my precepts. I always want to alter my reality with food, whatever, and I'm always reminded of my, of my precepts. And I always, and I always think, <laughs> what is this? I didn't say awakening to your intention, but I'm going to you'd say it in the future. I like that. 
Yeah, in Jesus Christ. I did say that, but in Jesus Christ. That's great. Thank you. So let's see. Um, Kate and then Liam. So I think you all know, I mean, it took me a long time to decide to row sew a rakasu. I was not interested for a long time because I thought, I, I wasn't sure what it meant, I think, and I was worried. I don't know what I was so worried about, but anyway, I'm glad I waited because when the, uh, something arose in me, that said I wanted to sew a rakasu and, and, and I had already left California, so it was more of a challenge in that way. But I, I don't know if you said this, Mary, but I, I think you said something about opening. And I feel like the process uh, was some kind of act of being willing to open to letting the Dharma work in me. And I didn't really know that. I think that's become more of an awareness over time. But I was surprised at how important it is to me, even though I also, in the process of sewing it, cursed quite a bit and tore things out and redid things. And I think I even cried a couple of times in frustration. That's all in it. And it's kind of like that Japanese concept of wabi-sabi, or, you know, where it's imperfect, imperfectly beautiful <laughs> in some way. Um, it's not slick. It's, uh, it's real. And, yeah, I'm going to get teary, too, Mary. I, I just... I was so touched that someone was willing to travel up here and help me do this. And then to take the time to hand write, uh, you know, it's a lot of effort to do that. And there are few people in my life who have spent that kind of time on my behalf. And I am really deeply grateful for that. And so now, like Daniel, I, I cherish this rakasu. And when I travel, I have a little special thing. I put it in and I make sure it's in. I know where it is all the time. It has a place where it lives. And um, I'm not always mindful every time I put it on but I try to be. It was really surprising to me how much meaning happened <laughs> and continues. It's like the gift that keeps on giving, <laughs> I guess. And sewing, I was also resistant uh, to sewing this green rakasu and, and it's been kind of the same experience. It's been surprising and I don't know what it will mean. It's part of my practice, I guess, to not know and to trust the Dharma uh, to do its work. I've enjoyed sewing well, the, the first rakasu and, and the more recent one. I like that process. The taking refuge in each deep 
and then the stitches I find that uh, really useful in a way that where you don't really even know what's going on but somehow something sinks in a little more Kate mentioned that kind of they're imperfectly beautiful I was thinking every rock show I've ever seen is uniquely different and they're all beautiful you mentioned the word cultivating earlier which I, that's kind of the way I tend to think of uh, think of practice and thinking of the precepts and uh, the design is based we're told in the story of the Buddha on, on rice paddies and so does Zen we think of as farmers Zen. so I like the whole image of the cultivating kindness cultivating openness uh, as that ongoing cultivating openness ongoing process and the ceremonies themselves I've, I've always found them very moving whether it was me that was receiving it or someone else it's a very moving ceremony and and uh very useful for renewing i very much appreciate it i was thinking about this and i think probably i took refuge in the majority maybe a slight majority of each stitch in every zone <laughs> so by electoral college rules <laughs> i've taken refuge in every stitch <laughs> no, there was there was uh, there was a lot of taking refuge in every stitch and trying to take refuge in every stitch and a lot of cursing and a lot of backing up and starting over and I think Daniel and I were going for a record for the longest time to so rock is it oh no <laughs> no you are near no. <laughs> people start and stop sometimes. Oh yeah, we we went for a year <laughs> and a half. <laughs> it's kind of embarrassing because we had that left. I think it's what everyone has said has, has been very true for me too. So I won't repeat it. But um, I think probably what I thought were my reasons for starting to sew and study the precepts and what where i ended up were two different places but that process itself is so worthwhile and that journey from where i thought what i thought i was doing to what i did um was really really help, helpful and 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 I, you know, I think now, because this process is, is uh, you know, a, about the precepts, for me, I feel like it's such a gift that every time I put the Raksu on, I feel like I get to renew my intention to try and live by the precepts as best I can. And, you know, you, you take it off and you go through your daily life and it all gets tangled and, and muddy and difficult again. And then, you know, I, I, I feel so fortunate to be able to put this rock suit back on and go start again. And uh, that's just, that feels like a great gift to me. I feel like I'll try going backwards because the most live things feel like the most recent, which is that um, as I'm sewing the green rock is almost done, um, <laughs> it's 
been also at a time of uncertainty in my own life. It's like, it's a great time to, right? I mean, people hate sometimes hearing practice opportunity in a case like this, but I, I don't mean it in a sarcastic way. It feels like a practice opportunity to be with being uncomfortable and even like not quite homely then. Because I'm, you know, that I consider myself very much a lay person, and um, so you bring rockets does not mean that you're leaving home in the sense that a priest does. But there's a sense that I'm feeling very uncomfortable, but more comfortable with being uncomfortable lately, and <laughs> and that being more of use to the sangha has really expanded for me as as one as this sangha kind of at least uh, on the formal level, winds down and we'll have some informal song, I'm sure, continuing and we'll all still be in touch with, with each other. Mary will be our teacher, even after the winding down of, of her formal teaching. I'm not sure if that's quite the right word, but I, I don't want to get to it. <laughs> we'll find out. Nobody knows what the right word is. Right. But what I'm trying what I'm trying to say is that it feels like um, my desire to serve the Sangha was met with a lot of resistance at, in, in the beginning, even after I had taken the precepts. And of course, I still have resistance, but it feels like the Sangha has expanded and I'm finding myself doing all these things that are, I'm not sure whether I'm doing them for me or for others. Like I'm doing all this volunteer work now and I'm trying to use my skills. And yes, I think it will help my myself, but I also, there's many other things I could do other, rather than what I'm doing. So it feels like that's uncomfortable, but it feels more right. So that's been um, my journey over time. Um, the first Strakasu that I remember, I, I tend to have a, a lot of doubts about even things I'm sure about, like well, somehow doubts creep in all the time. and. Right up to the ceremony, I remember thinking, is this really, do I really, is this, you know, and then somehow <laughs> during the ceremony, I had this knowing, yes, this is right. And it's, and for me, I, I don't know if that's, the feeling of rightness is unusual for other people, it was unusual for me, and uh, it was um, really an important moment. And when I first wanted to sow it was the idea of not being pushed around by my karma after reading Living by Vow. Uh, Kiri, right? Uh, Living by Vow is Okamura. Okamura, sorry. It is Living by Vow. And one of the people at Berkeley Zen Center talked about how since she had sown her own rakasu that she felt that she was more and more dedicated to the precepts and not just Hold around by her feelings, by her karma, by whatever. And I, that was the first seed. I thought, I want that. <laughs> so, thanks. I don't talk about this very much anymore, but I, the, when I sewed my first rock suit, people thought I should be, I looked like somebody who would sew a rock suit. I mean, I'd only been practicing, gee, when I first asked, I think it was like a year and a half, maybe two years. So not a huge long time, but it just that when I turned towards Zen and practice, it just felt right. And I did a weekend retreat and 
Monday I found the Berkeley Zen Center, and Tuesday I started sitting, and Saturday I went to Zazen instruction just in case, and uh, <laughs> then I never stopped. So I just looked like that, and people would say, why aren't you Sangharapsu? And I think, yeah. <laughs> and, and I just, I finally felt that I did want to, but it wasn't something I couldn't, I couldn't touch it, you know. And so I, I, I know I've told you this probably once, and I went to Mel and I said, I, I, I want to sew Araksu, but I don't want you to ask me why. And he said, okay, how? <laughs> and, uh, and I said, with Blanche at City Center, and he said, go for it, yeah, fine. And so I did. And, but even so, during that whole time I was sewing, in a part where I sort of stopped, because I think it, it got too close, but I was holding it away, so I was oblivious to what was really going on, because I didn't want to know. It was too scary for me. And um, I just kind of wasn't sewing, and that's when I went down. She was down at Tassajara in the work period, I guess, and I, so I went down there, figuring out, I go down there, I just have to sew because I mean, if I went, I'd work out something, which I did. And I worked in the mornings and sewed in the afternoons. And that's when I, I left Tassajara thinking about going there and being terrified. And I know I've told you this too. I drove out saying to myself, 14 miles down a dirt road, 14 fucking miles, fucking dirt road. And I was just terrified. But I finished the rocks and I didn't feel any much, you know, I didn't, obviously I, I, I did feel a lot, but I, I didn't know. And other people were talking about it. There were people sewing together also at Berkeley. And I just thought, well, okay, I'm, I'm doing this. And uh, then we were, that, that, that day, they were getting things ready, I guess, and, and the, the group that I was taking the precepts with were sitting at the bottom of the stairs right near Mel's office, and all of a sudden I just felt like I got hit on the head with a board. Oh, oh, this, oh, you know what, I mean, it, it was, oh, this means something. The feeling of it was just, oh, and so somewhat feeling kind of stunned, and then in the ceremony itself, there were a bunch of us, say there were six of us, I don't know, seven. And so we were arrayed on, on zautons behind the ordination table. And then when it's your turn, you get up and come and, and stand in front of the table. And we all was seated, seated, seated on the other side. And there's a zavaton there for you to kneel on. But you first, you, you come up and you do a standing bow and then you sit down and maybe you bow again, I don't remember. But I came up and I just broke. Flop <laughs> myself down, <laughs> and then remembered that I was supposed to go. <laughs> oh, well. um, and I, I mean, I think it was a, a bunch of things, but one of which is that there was an eagerness for it, so that's very sweet. The anxiety part, which is also part, <laughs> maybe not so wonderful. Don't worry, we'll tell you what to do as every every step of the way. So that's enough, I think. I'm very touched by what everybody says, and it's it's wonderful to remember, you know, and sort of rededicate yourself. And even though you're not someone, you can you feel that, and you can use it to deepen your own practice.
Beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to become it. Beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible, I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless, I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable, I vow to become it. Beings are numberless, I vow to save them. Delusions are inexhaustible. I vow to end them. Dharma gates are boundless. I vow to enter them. Buddha's way is unsurpassable. I vow to become it.